Great news, everyone. Jesus is alive and well. This is Glenn Raglan Educational and Transformational Ministries. Great ministries. Welcome to this week's podcast. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those who have tuned in to this week's podcast. We lift up the family of Lewis McKee. Lewis was the first person I met when my family moved to Harlan, Kentucky. He lived next door to me. He was a basketball teammate and a lifelong friend. We continue to pray for the stop to gun violence across the United States. We pray that your word will go forward. It will not return to you empty. It will accomplish what you sent it to do. In the name of the righteous branch, Jesus Christ, amen. This week, we move to Ephesians chapter 3 as we continue our study of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 7 reads, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which, in other ages, was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace given to me by the effective working of his power. My brothers and sisters, the letter to the church at Ephesus was one of the letters Paul wrote from prison. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 verses 13 through 22 that the barrier that separated Jews and Gentiles no longer existed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now Paul relays to the church that he has been made the minister to the Gentiles. Because of Paul's faithfulness among the Gentiles, he came under bitter opposition by the Jews and was arrested many times. Paul uses the word dispensation in verse 2, which means stewardship, a position of trust or duties. And in Paul's case, stewardship is defined as a superior slave of tried character who looked after the accounts of the household. So God put Paul in charge of the Gentile house account. In verse 3, Paul recalls the mystery of the Gentiles from chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. This word is not a mystery as it is used in modern language. It is not mysterious or puzzling. It means that it is something that has not previously been made known. The fact that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, family members, and fellow partakers with Jews for the promises of God was disclosed in the Old Testament in Isaiah 49 and 6, which says, Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. My Christian friends, Part of the Messiah's mission was to restore Israel, but he was also coming to save the Gentiles. Isaiah 56 verses 6 and 7 proclaims that God's house is a house of prayer for all nations. My friends, all means all and includes the Gentiles. Now, let's look at Ephesians 3 verses 8 through 13. It says, To me, who I am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given 
that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart of my tribulations for you, which is your glory. My Christian comrades, Paul's letters are not only difficult to understand from a theological point of view, but his writing style is a series of prepositional phrases. In verses 8 through 13, there are 10 commas and only two periods with one semicolon. And so the best way to study his letters is to break the verses down line by line. In verse 8, Paul considers himself the least of the saints because he had persecuted the church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 9, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Folks, God did not look at the past history of Paul. He used Paul in his present state and he will do the same for us. He only sees the Jesus in you, not the past. My friends, Paul was given a job to do, and that was to preach salvation to the Gentiles. Paul was a Jew who converted to Christianity, whose job was to convert Gentiles to Christianity. Now think about that for a moment. Paul was formally trained in the Jewish customs and laws. Then he became an apostle without the benefit of spending three years with Jesus, now, he must explain the plan of salvation to Gentiles who knew nothing about God. When you can begin your teaching with the unsearchable riches of Christ, that's a good start. So what is the unsearchable riches of Christ in verse 8? This is the depth of the grace of Jesus. In other words, Jesus has a bottomless pit of grace. He can never run out. He has extended grace to millions of people for over 2,000 years and he still hasn't run out. Paul also gets to show Jews and Gentiles how God planned and carried out this mystery of expanding salvation beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. My friends, aren't you glad that God didn't keep salvation just for the Jews? The mystery of God's plan was hidden until he decided it was time to be revealed. Since he is God, he is not obligated to tell his creation anything until he sees fit. Folks, God is working for your good, for his glory. He just hasn't revealed to you all the details. It is our job to trust that he is working for our good, even when it doesn't seem like it. And when he does reveal his plan, you can't help but give him the glory. In verse 10, God places everyone in the spirit world on notice that redemption has come to the Gentiles, something that the angels wanted to look into, according to 1 Peter 1 and 12, in addition to putting the spirit world on notice, God also places the church on notice that the Gentiles would be joining the church and evil spirits would have to take notice. The manifold wisdom is one wisdom, yet it affects different groups differently. The Jews thought salvation was only for them, yet God's wisdom extended it. The Gentiles were lost with no hope, yet God's wisdom gave us a new hope. The good angels in heaven are amazed that God will extend salvation to any person, and the evil angels can only watch 
while God extends his wisdom and gets the praise, the honor, and the glory through the work of Jesus on the cross. In verse 12, it proclaims that we have the freedom and confidence to be able to be in the presence of a holy God, since Jesus has cleansed our old sin-filled life, forgiven us of our sins, and made us holy. In verse 13, Paul encourages the readers of the letter not to look at his prison time as a reason to turn away from Jesus. His time in prison was so that the church would gain glory. My brothers and sisters, it is not promised in the Bible that your life would be smooth after you give your life to Christ. But we are to get closer to the Lord each day with prayer and the word. Now let's turn to Ephesians 3 verses 14 through 21. And it reads, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. My friends, verse 14a is a repeat of verse 1 from chapter 3, when Paul digressed from the prayer he was about to pray, and he prays for the realization that spiritually mature believers accept God's love and his fullness. Paul addresses God as the Father of Jesus Christ, and in verse 15, he acknowledges that God is the Father of all families in heaven and on earth. Verse 16 has the first request from Paul, that God give us inner spiritual strength. My friends, we all need help, and the Christian who knows he needs the help of the Holy Spirit will learn to depend on the Holy Spirit at all times, for the little mundane things as well as the big, life-changing things. The second request, found in verse 17, is deep faith. The third request is the love of Jesus Christ. It is our deep faith and the love of Jesus that allows him to live in our hearts daily. It is this love that makes us treat each other like brothers and sisters, the loving brothers and sisters kind, which is the church and not individuals. We, as the church, strive to understand the magnitude of God's love. The final request of Paul's prayer, found in verse 19, is that God will fill us. We can only be filled when we have the inner strength of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of Christ, and the abundant love. As Christians, we should all desire to be filled by God. Keep asking, keep praying, keep reading, and it will come. Paul ends his prayer in verses 20 and 21 with a praise doxology, or also called a liturgical expression of praise to God, or a formal scripture used in public worship. Verse 20 contains the sovereignty of God. That is, he is able to exceed your expectations. My friends, whatever you expect from God, he can exceed it. Not only is he able to exceed our expectations, he is able to fill us with his abundance. Folks, 
Whatever you are praying to God for, it's not enough. Stop praying for the bare minimum and start praying for the maximum. It's the same effort for you to ask for the maximum, and God has the final say, so you might as well ask. But the key is in how you think. We need to expand our mindset about God and thus expect larger results. The power of love that God gives us is the power that works in us. Our love will let us pray for things that the church needs, not what we need. My Christian comrades, once we mature to the point where we do everything for the glory of God, we will be able to stay in praise mode. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you gave to Paul to educate the church on the goodness of God. We pray for expanded minds and blessings for the church. We pray these things in the name of the man of sorrows, Jesus Christ. Amen. I continue to encourage you to find a good Bible teaching church. Send your prayer request as well as your praise reports to our email address, which is hello at greatministries.org. Please continue to pray for Great Ministries and share us with your friends, your family, your loved ones, and the unsaved. Stay safe, be blessed, and have a great week.